let's do it. Let's get them into the shim shim. <laughs> shim into ever. the shim shim. Don't say that. Shim shim? <laughs> Don't say into the shim shim. <laughs> I loved it. We're leaving it in there. We're starting the oh episode God. with that. Yeah. That's what the episode's going to be called, actually. <laughs> into the shim shim? I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Natalie. <laughs> Wait, is it like offensive? Are we saying something offensive? Oh God, I don't think so. I hope okay. not. I think I just assumed she had like a visceral like ew. Oh, okay. That sounds weird. Yeah, it was visceral. I was like, okay. that is awful. That's an awful okay. thing I just heard. Just making sure. Yeah, that's an important thing. and ghouls welcome to slashers prefer blondes a podcast where three brunettes talk the kinds of movies that bite scream and slash i'm natalie i'm heidi and i'm laura and today we're stepping into the shimmer to break down alex garland's 2018 film annihilation i will say i'm really glad that this is our first science fiction movie because i know it's been sitting on our list of potentials for like a hot second and i'm so glad that we're talking about this it's so much fun it is a lot of fun. I fully do not think that it is a fun movie. I enjoy this movie. <laughs> As somebody who's been struggling with their mental health over the past few weeks, watching this movie was very much so a chore for me. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I mean that affectionately because I do like it. I do think it's a very well-made film, but Jesus Christ, is it upsetting when you're not in the headspace for it. <laughs> yeah, that's really fair. Yeah, But I am excited to talk about it today. I am probably the least prepared that I've ever been for an episode. And I think that's not super surprising because sci-fi is not really my thing. I have a lot of questions, but I do not have a lot of answers. So I'm very curious to see how this discussion is going to go today. I will say that I don't think that this film offers a lot of answers. So I think that's probably fine. I do think it offers more answers than like The Lighthouse did. But this is definitely a different kind of brainy film. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I was actually comparing it to The Lighthouse as well. Because I was thinking, and I'll get into this later, but I remember when we were recording The Lighthouse episode, I said... I was okay with this one being ambiguous because it wasn't like, oh, I'm supposed to understand what's going on and I don't. It was kind of like, no one's supposed to understand what's going on. Or it's purposefully making it three things at once. Right. And I guess with this one, I felt kind of the opposite way. I felt like there was a meaning that I just wasn't getting. Mm -hmm. And that kind of frustrated me and truthfully continues to frustrate me. It's still one of my main problems with the film. But yeah, with this one, I kind of felt like, oh, it's very cerebral. And what yeah. am I missing? I think I there is something to be said, though, that this is based on a book that was just the first one of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And there it was the only book that was out. So it's not even the full story as that author had intended it. It's just like right. a piece of it. Yeah. 
I picked up on a couple of thematic things that I thought were interesting. Mm -hmm. There were parts of this movie that I thought were really compelling and were through Mm -hmm. lines that I really enjoyed, but I don't really know 100% what to make of all of them. Right. What I like about this movie, first and foremost, is its visual appeal. I think it's stunning. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think the design of the setting is so fucking cool. Creature design Mm -hmm. is really, really cool in this. Yeah. Acting is really good in this too. I just... The music's good. When I first saw it, I liked it way more than I did on a rewatch. I think partially Mm. because once some of the mystery is gone, for Mm -hmm. me, I lose a little interest in the story. But I think that's partially because I have a tendency to not really sink my teeth as deep into science fiction films. But Mm -hmm. also because, like I said, I was not in the headspace to be watching this. So (laughs) there's just a lot of heaviness happening right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like I mentioned at the end of the last episode, the reason I picked this is actually because I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I thought, well, maybe if I watched it again, my reactions to film are often influenced by my mood. So I thought maybe I was just Mm -hmm. in a bad mood that day and it just wasn't clicking with me. And if I watched it again, you know, I'd have a, a more positive reaction to it. And I think in general I did, but I still... What I really did not like the first time I watched it was the end. And I still don't really Mm. like the end, Mm -hmm. even after a second and third viewing. And we'll get into why that is. But I think that the middle part where they're in the shimmer is fascinating. I think that's a really strong part. And I think the ending kind of falls flat. I don't think it does justice to what precedes it. But I do see your point, Heidi, about it's just one of three books. So we aren't really going to have everything come full circle And I think the other important part that I read was that the director wrote the script based on his memory of the book. So Mm -hmm. he read the book and then wrote the script, but he didn't do like a page to page adaptation of it. Yeah. So that Mm -hmm. might explain some of that as well. That's totally fair. Because I did do a very, very brief foray into the book and it does seem like the basic gist of it is the same, but some of the Mm -hmm. stuff that you pull out of it is a little different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do recall one of the featurettes that I watched the author was saying about how there's barely any dialogue in the book which i thought was kind of interesting mm-hmm, and that makes honestly sense. there's there's not that much more in the movie but i feel like it still manages to tell an interesting story and has like emotional depth to it that yeah. is impressive in terms of like the actor's capabilities because all of these ladies are just incredible but especially mm-hmm. natalie portman mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are emotional and thematic through lines that Mm -hmm. are, I think, developed fairly well. But for me, it just doesn't tie Mm -hmm. together pretty well. So I'm kind of left with like a, eh, I don't really know what Mm -hmm. exactly this is trying to say. It's trying to say something, but like I was struggling to piece it together to have some sort of coherent interpretation of it. Yeah. When I went to rewatch it the first time to like prep for the podcast, I was shocked by how little I actually remembered of the film. Like it started <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I don't remember any of this. Like I remembered <laughs> everything from after they get into the shimmer for the most part, like of course all the spooky stuff that happens and then the end. But I was like, wow, I don't remember any of the beginning at all. Yeah. This is like a whole new film for me, which is really sad because there's some really great scenes at the beginning, especially with Oscar Isaac. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel with every movie I watch. I don't have a great memory when it comes to films. Yeah. The part of this movie that I thought was actually the most compelling was their relationship. So I remembered a lot in the beginning. I remembered a lot of this movie overall. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised by how much of it that I did remember, if I'm being Mm -hmm. really honest. But I found that part of this movie the most interesting to me. I don't really know what to make sense of aspects of what the film's trying to say about their relationship. But Mm -hmm. 
yeah i thought it was really interesting so like that part i, I do mm-hmm. remember the beginning bit and i definitely remember most of what happened at the end yeah the middle comes and goes i kind of wish that i paid closer attention to the middle section of the film when i watched mm-hmm. it before this podcast recording yeah. just because there are things i think i missed about the supporting characters that i wish mm-hmm. that i mm-hmm. had more at the ready right now but good thing those will be yeah. in the summary yeah, they'll be in the summary, and I know that Heidi took, like, excellent, diligent notes, so. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say is I also picked this because even though I'm kind of lukewarm about it, I think it's definitely worth discussing, and I yeah. often feel more positively towards films after I discuss them with other people who bring mm-hmm. up insights that I would have never had before, so, you know, my opinion might change after we talk, mm-hmm. so that's another reason, just want to revisit it and see what Mm -hmm. y'all have to think about it yeah this one definitely i think benefits from watching it several times like the third time Mm -hmm. that i had watched it i was like oh my god i didn't even notice that and i'll bring up like some of those things that i noticed on a rewatch but before we get into the summary of course like this film if you haven't seen it we're gonna go through like a pretty detailed walkthrough but you should definitely watch it because like there's no way any of the words that I can say is gonna match the visuals on the screen. Like some of it mm-hmm. is just beautiful and some of it is just it's fucked up. <laughs> and there's no way that I'm gonna be able to properly convey that. So unlike the lighthouse where you kind of just have to watch it to understand what we're saying, like this one for maximum effect, just give it a watch. It's great. I will also say that I didn't have a very great memory of the film. I only saw it once in the theater. And I somehow managed to still pick a film that is like somewhat body horror related. It just happened. So, you know, I was pleasantly surprised by that. It fits me. I bet this was beautiful in a theater. That's how I actually saw it. I saw it with Becca, one of my best friends and former roommate. And it was beautiful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I watched it when it hit Netflix. Anyway, let me give you guys a little brief rundown of some facts about this film. Annihilation came out in 2018. It was written and directed by Alex Garland, who is most well-known for the movie Ex Machina. Also stars Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that movie. I like that movie. That was good. Movie. He's so weird in that movie. I like it because it's weird. Did you know this? <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys a fun fact. Please. Oscar Isaac was filming Star Wars at the same time as this movie, and the sound stages were right next to each other. And he would just like walk over in his Poe costume and just like hang out on set with Annihilation and like, I guess, preferred to be there. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, he was like, I want to be in this movie. And so they like Disney and Alex Garland somehow like made it happen with the schedule so that he could do both. That's great. That is awesome. Alex Garland also wrote the movie 28 Days Later. Oh, did he really? He was involved in the sequel as well. I like 28 Days Later. I love 28 Days Later. I think it's one of the best zombie movies ever made. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Danny Boyle directed, right? Yes. Yeah. He was just an executive producer on the sequel, but... Well, the sequel wasn't as good. Well, I didn't see it. It's like characters making really dumb decisions at the beginning of the film to cause the whole problem, like... Don't be dumb. That's common in zombie movies. Zombie movies. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So when this movie came out, it was released on February 23rd, 2018 by Paramount Pictures. It grossed $43 million against a budget of between 40 and 55 million, which is not great. (laughs) It was also released on Netflix on March 12th, which is how I saw it. I think a lot of other people saw it that way as well. The film did get a pretty good amount of critical acclaim. It is a very heady cerebral film, but like the themes of depression and grief and like self-destruction and 
like science were really well received by critics. It has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. However, it has an audience score of 66, which I think is because of the ending. Yep. I would agree. Actually, when this movie was being made, they screened it for test audiences and it tested incredibly poorly because of the end of the movie. And everybody involved in the film was like, I'm not fucking changing anything. Like, I don't want to change anything. We're not changing it. This is what it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. And I do think that the movie that we get is good for what it is. But I can understand why some people come out of this movie not loving it because that ending is very much so a downer. (laughs) Yeah. It's a downer, but it's also not a downer. We'll talk about it later, but... Right. It's slightly impenetrable for me and that I was like, I remember walking out of that theater and not that I don't like cerebral films. I mean, I typically love it, but for me, it was way too like, what the fuck just happened? I had no idea. It came out of like left field and I wasn't, I just didn't know how to react to it. And even now after I've had time to think about it, I'm like, okay, well, I kind of get it a little more, but I still feel like it was a little too cerebral. I don't know if I agree with that or if I don't. Well, let's talk about it and I'll, I guess I'll just say how I feel as we go. Yeah. All right, should we start the summary? Yeah. All right. Disclaimer before we start. Again, the summary is going to be really, really long and detailed. There's not very many things that I left out. If I did, they were like really small. Really watch this movie because it's so beautiful, but we're just going to dive into it. So the film starts with Lena, played by Natalie Portman, as she is questioned by a team of people in white hazmat suits inside of an undisclosed, isolated observation room. She's wearing what looks like white scrubs and is the only person not wearing a safety suit. They ask her all these cryptic questions. How long was she inside? How did she survive for four months with only a week's worth of rations? And where's the rest of her team? Right off the bat, comparison to the lighthouse when they're like, oh, we just missed the boat or the the ship that's come to relieve us. And he's like, no, it's been weeks since we've been here. So like, same thing. Like, oh, I thought we were in there for like a week. And they're like, no, you were in there for like four months, actually. Love it. Before the film jumps back in time, we get quick flashes of a comet as it hurtles toward the Earth and crashes into a lighthouse. The lighthouse doesn't collapse or seem affected by the impact. Instead, there is this odd, like, opalescent or, like, kaleidoscopic shimmer trail that comes off of it. And I actually think this was a really cool moment because, like, you see what could have been this moment of destruction. And then Mm -hmm. it's just oddly beautiful. You can't look at it and not be like, that's beautiful. But then Mm -hmm. immediately after you see that, it says annihilation, (laughs) implying that whatever you just saw is actually horrible. Like annihilation is coming because of whatever Mm -hmm. that is. I just Mm -hmm. think that's really cool. Yeah, it also gives it a very mystical element to the shimmer. Of course, we don't know it's called the shimmer yet, but it's definitely cordoning off this space that we know is going to become some sort of strange phenomena or phenomenon. Phenomena. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that it's interesting that it's a lighthouse, though. It's like a beacon of hope for, like, people who are at sea or, like, a beacon of safety. And, like, whatever Mm -hmm. this is that just crash lands onto Earth is not that. It's very much the opposite. I think that's, that's like, a cool image. We should have done just, like, a trilogy of lighthouse movies and done The Lighthouse and, like, Ring. (sighs) (laughs) Who knows? We we still could. We could do The Ring and that's our third lighthouse movie. (laughs) (laughs) You can pick that next time. Yeah, I don't want true. to, but... I'm not picking it, so... <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. I just, like... I'm talking about the remake, obviously. Obviously. I was like, I don't want to watch Ringu again. Japanese one is very, very, very good, but it is so slow. Yeah. It is so slow. I don't want people to, like, get on us for not liking that movie, but it is very, very well made. 
but like, oh, oh boy. It's really a commitment. Yeah. So we jump now into Lena's past. She is a professor at Johns Hopkins University. She specializes in cellular biology. And this particular lecture that she gives is about cancer cells. And after class, she's invited by a colleague to a barbecue, but she declines, insisting that she needs to paint her bedroom. Lena, your husband's been maybe dead for a whole year. Now I'm going to inappropriately touch your arm while we're in our workplace and tell you to come over to my house and have a barbecue. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. There is an awkward tension between them, and he reminds her that going out with her friends will not sully her husband's memory. While she paints the blue walls of the bedroom a stark white, a man comes into the house. It's Oscar Isaac. He looks around, confused like he doesn't quite recognize the place, but is starting to remember something. And as he walks up the stairs, he sees Lena. She is in disbelief, staring at her husband, Kane. Kane has been missing for about a year, and he is unable to answer where he's been, how long he's been gone, how he got home, or even where his unit went. And alarmingly, when he takes a drink of water, there is blood left behind in the glass. You know, super chill, super normal. So one of the things that I wanted to mention, Mm -hmm. just because it plays such an important part in the film thematically is this opening scene where we establish that she is a cell biologist and she studies the life of the cell. I think Mm -hmm. they mentioned later the the genetically programmed life cycle of the cell. Yes. And the fact that she's looking at these cancerous cells dividing and she's giving this whole monologue about how all cells come from existing cells. And Mm -hmm. I think she uses the phrase, the rhythm of the dividing pair. So it very much sets up this scientific Mm -hmm. context for the movie and Mm -hmm. establishes her knowledge base and how she's going to be an asset eventually for the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. So uh, just the cell division and replication, duplication Mm -hmm. as a big theme in the film. So that's just a very good way to set it up and establish her character. This scene, I think, really showcases what I was saying about how there's not that much dialogue in the film, but the actors just say so much. Like, when Lena runs up to give Kane a hug and, like, kisses him, she's, like, super happy, he just, like, doesn't react. Mm -hmm. It's so heartbreaking to watch. Like, you just feel how she goes from, like, this high to just immediate low. The emotions on her face are like, oh my god, I'm so glad to see you. And then it's like experiencing grief all over again. And ugh, mm-hmm. it's so good. She's amazing. The other thing I wanted to add. So when he goes to like take a drink from that glass, the two of them are like holding hands. And I thought it was such like a nice touch considering like what the shimmer is and like what we find out throughout the film. The mm-hmm. distortion of their hands, I think, is such a good thematic touch. And there's like a strip of rainbow in it. Oh yeah. God. The mm. foreshadowing in this film and the in the images is amazing. Yeah, I didn't it's really notice cool. that. I noticed that on like the third watch. Okay. Yeah. Every time I watched it, I guess I, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. I only watched it once before this podcast, but mm-hmm. whenever they show the fucking glass of water, I'm always like, what is up with the glass of water? I, and know, I, I noticed stuff too. in it this time. Like the stuff that you mentioned. I was like, okay, I see it now. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> What do you take the distorted hands to mean? So as we talk about later, and I'll just touch on this really quickly. Yeah. The way that the shimmer is and like what it actually does is a distortion. I would actually say it's more evident of the refraction that Tessa Thompson's character is talking about. Yeah, that's the word that I was looking for. Thank you. Okay, okay. The prismatic element of the yeah, absolutely. aspect of the... Okay. And, like, if you pay very close attention to a lot of scenes in the Shimmer, there is so much more, like, prismatic colorization than, like, at first glance, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm, for awesome. sure. 
Yeah. But yeah, so it's definitely like an aspect of that. And I think that becomes like more poignant when you find out the big reveal at the end. I'm not going to spoil it right now. We'll get there. But um, yeah, it's just like another like hint, like, hey, something's weird here. That's what I took from it. I gotcha. So an ambulance comes to get Kane because he's not doing hot. And like, (laughs) he's doing a lot worse in the ambulance. He's coughing up blood. He's seizing. And then as they're like going down the road, this group of unmarked black SUVs force the ambulance off the road and they sedate Lena and Kane is just like seizing in the background. It does not look good for him. Yeah. And Lena wakes back up and she's wearing like this orange jumpsuit, which like who put her clothes on? That's so weird. It's <laughs> just like Slither. <laughs> exactly. Just like Slither. The zombies. <laughs> we don't like it. Don't put those clothes on without their consent. No. But she looks like she's in the same room that we see from the beginning. And as a side effect from the sedative, Lena starts vomiting as a woman in like a business suit. This is Dr. Ventress, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, who's mm-hmm. very good in this film. No, she's very good in this. She is a psychologist and she approaches Lena. Ventress reveals that Kane is alive, but he's on the edge. He has multiple organ failure and it seems like he could have been exposed to radiation. There's a lot going on. Yeah. What do you guys make of Ventress's character? Just from this moment. Okay, at this moment in time, the main question I had was, what is with her tone? Like, it is so one note, almost, like, tired. Yes. And that starts to make more sense, I think, as the movie goes on and we learn what's going on with her. Yeah. But at first, I was like, why is she speaking like that? What is going on? I fully was obsessed with her immediately. (laughs) I'm not shocked by that. Don't give a shit. I mean, I like the character, but I was just like, the delivery seemed a little, I don't know, seemed yeah. a little strange. I didn't know. I was pretty sure that was a choice. I mean, I think it had to it be It has a to be. I think even without the reveal of what's going on with her, they've been at this for so goddamn long at this point. You know what I mean? She's yeah. just exhausted. She keeps sending people in there to die. Like, I would also be done. Yeah. She's just kind of disconnected, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, who Mm -hmm. the fuck cares anymore? Yeah. I thought this scene was, like, so weird because she is so suspicious and just, like, doesn't care. And I was like, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. Like, if I was Lena, I'd be like, get me out of here right now. Mm Mm-hmm. As you had mentioned earlier, like, one of the themes is self-destruction. Like, is her pushing people away seeming closed off and like distant is that a form of a self-destructive tendency like in quotes or is that just how she is i would say that yes but if we were going to give every character a way of self-destruction i would say her entering the shimmer and wanting to see it through the end because she doesn't want to die the other Mm -hmm. way is Mm -hmm. like the one that's more at the forefront Mm -hmm. yeah i almost feel like that's not necessarily self-destructive like obviously she's gonna die either way but i don't know think about it this way if we're watching a movie like a story in television yeah i watched something recently but i can't remember what it is so like i'm just gonna explain the plot but basically it's somebody who finds out that they have cancer and their family is pissed at them. Oh, it was in the OC. The <laughs> Sandy yes! finds out that she has cancer. And she's not doing any treatment because she's just like, hey, I want to go out on my terms. I just want to be dead. And he's like, well, that's not really fair because we care about you. We want you to stay around. And like, if you're willing to try to make it so that you can either save your life or prolong your life, why wouldn't you do that? So in that sense, her choosing to opt out of going into chemo and giving it a shot is a form of self-destruction because she's opting to self-destruct instead of to persevere. That's fair. Opposite of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Can't believe I just pulled out an OC. 
subplot is a one episode <laughs> c plot that i just pulled out i mean but, um, that was a recent watch though we watched that not that long ago but yeah so i would say it's another form of self-destruction like even if you don't have cancer if you have that i think it's a facet of suicidal thoughts to be like i don't really care if i live or die that's a hundred percent true mm-hmm. so like it's in itself kind of like a form of self-destruction because you're not really yeah. holding your life as something that is mm-hmm. meaningful Spoiler yeah. alert, we later learn that Ventress has cancer. Yeah. yeah, we'll just say it. Yeah, we definitely just mentioned it a couple of times in like a very yeah. roundabout <laughs> way. So thank you for giving it context. And that's the other reason why I think it's so like specific that Lena is giving a lecture about cancer cells. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Shall we move on? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. From an observation platform, Lena gets her first glance of what is known as the shimmer. It's this odd, opalescent, kaleidoscopic, organic-ish, with a lot of adjectives in that, barrier, because I don't know how to fucking describe it. What a good writer. (laughs) It's a big, shiny wall that you can see through. It is. You can can kind of see through it. You can't exactly see through it. And it's, like, really tall. It's cool. It's beautiful. it is cool. They said, this is where the budget goes. And they were right. We prefer to build bridges, not walls, but, you know, it's a cool wall. (laughs) <laughs> it is. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I am living. And it's reiterated that the shimmer started at the lighthouse, but has been steadily growing through the state park, and it's even encompassed a former research hub and now a residential area near a swamp. And Ventress reveals that Kane, Lena's husband, is the first person who's gone in there that has ever come back. Stay out of my swamp. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially it, though. this last one i do think it's interesting that we don't exactly know like how long this has been happening like what the rate of expansion is but it definitely seems to be expanding at a quick rate i don't remember exactly how long but i do think that ventress gives her a timeline i think she says how long she's been at the headquarters or whatever at the southern reach i think she says yeah let me see if it says it in the Wikipedia summary. I don't remember. I didn't take that note. Time is remember. irrelevant right now. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't say. She said something like that was three years ago or something. Maybe. Like that. I have no idea. It was yeah. a minute ago. It, it's been a while. It's I been guess. a while. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a while. while. I was going to say something. I killed it. Yeah. <laughs> I killed your butt. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Because you mentioned the Southern Reach, I guess it's probably important to say that that's the group that they work for. And it's not just like a military group, Mm -hmm. Um, even though they have like a lot of military type people. And Oscar Isaac's character was part of the military. He's a Green Beret. It's Army Special Forces. Got it. That makes a lot of sense considering. But yeah, so that's like the company that they're working for. Okay, get ready, guys, because we're going to do a flashback to like the cutest scene of the whole movie. Kane and Lena are like laying in their bed and looking real cute. And she's talking about cells and how aging is technically a flaw in the genetic code. <laughs> they're in bed and she's talking about biology. Yeah, it's great. And they're like staring up at the stars through their like skylight. It's very romantic. And she tries to get out of Kane what the mission is, but he's super quiet about it. Oh my god, it's so cute. <laughs> I will say, though, because this is going to be important in a hot second, in that flashback, y'all notice that Kane does not have a tattoo? I thought he did. No. I thought it was his tattoo the whole time. Mm-mm. So did I. I thought that everyone was getting Kane's tattoo. The infinity sign. The infinity symbol uh, Natalie Portman also doesn't have in that. I know, but does he have scene? it? 
I don't think he has it yet because he hasn't been in the Shimmer. Well, I thought that he had it, and that's why Gina Rodriguez and Natalie Portman get it later. He can't have it yet. That doesn't well, make sense. I mean, he could also just have a tattoo, and then in the Shimmer, it gets replicated onto the two of them. But he doesn't. Oh, okay. I was asking. <laughs> I think that he has the Infinity tattoo in the video. Well, he's in the Shimmer at that point, so that would make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he has it, she has it, and Gina Rodriguez also gets that tattoo. The yeah. Infinity tattoo. Yes. The Ouroboros. It's an Infinity symbol that is an Ouroboros. Yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, he has that fucking bear tattoo. Insane. Foreshadowing, y'all. I'm here for it. You're killing me. So anyway, back to, I guess, not quite the present. But anyway, back at the facility. The time of this is really weird to talk about. We take a quick break to just like live out my bisexual fantasy of doing <laughs> in bed. And we, we jump back to the, the present it's day. literally so cute. Like the way that they talk to each other and like the chemistry is just amazing. Love it. Huge fan of this. I'm telling you. Cutest scene in the whole movie. Cutest scene in an entire movie about women going into an evil forest and being picked <laughs> off one by one. <laughs> but then there's that one scene. Anyway. Like, wow, cutest scene in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So great. <laughs> anyway, so back at Area X, Lena stares out at the Shimmer and she is approached by Anya, who is played by Gina Rodriguez, who is a former EMT and she has the best haircut of the whole film. Huge fan. And Anya introduces her to her friends. The people that she meets are all the same people that she is asked about from the beginning of the film. There is Anya, of course, the EMT, Josie Raddick, who is played by Tessa Thompson, who is a physicist, and Cassie Shepard, who is played by, I pray I get her name right, Tuva Novotny. Um, she's a geomorphologist. To be fair, I got no idea what that means, but geo means earth. So. She said something about she studies the electromagnetic fields around the yeah. shimmer and which yeah, is cool. Stuff like that. The changing yeah. earth is essentially what that word means. So there's that. Lena learns that this team of women are going to go into the shimmer in less than a week with Ventress. I do like that part in that scene where they're talking about how all the previous teams have been military personnel. Yes. And then they're like, this time, I think Lena's like all women. And then Josie is like, scientists yeah it's not like a correction but it's kind of like yeah we're women and that's Mm -hmm. important that it's all women but it's also like we're not just women we're scientists i took it more as just like a not even like a correction but like a clarification yeah like exactly yeah like yeah yeah, scientists yeah Yeah. (laughs) all women and we're also all scientists we're going in there because we're scientists Mm -hmm. why do you think it's important that it's all women i don't know that's one of the things that i can't ask me being like i don't know yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I think it is important, but I don't think I can articulate why I think that is, actually. I can't either. Personally, I think it might be one of those things that maybe has more meaning in the novel than it would in the mm-hmm. movie. If I, I might be misremembering, this is possible, <laughs> that what I'm about to say is not 100% true, and I'm sorry about that, but I feel confident in what I'm about to say is that... The protagonists in that first book actually are not named, and I don't think they have genders. I think... I don't think anybody is named in the first book either. I do think the protagonist is a woman, though. I remember in the conversation that I was watching with the director for special features, he said that he had always envisioned the characters as female, but I thought he said that it was not explicitly stated. I think I read somewhere that actually, and again, might be making this up, but I don't think I am. 
I think I read that in the later books, it's revealed that Lena is actually not a white woman, that she is... She's Asian. Yeah, and like someone else is potentially Native American. Yeah, because people got mad about that when the movie was cast. Mm. Right, so there was some controversy about that. On the Wikipedia page for the novel, which I think would probably be fun to read, it says it is the first in a series of three books called the Southern Reach Trilogy. The book describes a teen Mm -hmm. of four women who set out into an area known as Area X. Oh, okay. So I stand corrected. I think about the importance as more of like from a media studies standpoint, like I think Mm -hmm. it's important to see for women fairly diverse, somewhat diverse group of women taking on these roles, being portrayed as scientists, as important people, as smart capable people Mm -hmm. who are capable of taking on this dangerous mission and not only capable but willing and courageous i just think that's important from a representation standpoint i would agree according to i only read the first paragraph of this summary because then i kind of realized after i read the first paragraph that i might want to read this so i stopped um (laughs) (laughs) but apparently the husband does show up the same way from the expedition like shows up in the kitchen the same way Interesting. But the rest of his team also does. And then they all die of cancer a few months later. So Ooh. I think that's interesting because I think that the movie really does center itself around the romance. Yeah. Huh. The romance and then the betrayal. But the other thing that did, just a quick side note, that made the movie make a little bit more sense to me was that I learned that the book is part of the subgenre weird fiction. So I looked a little bit into Wait, what weird is that? Fi- Oh, so okay. weird fiction, I looked a little <laughs> bit into it. So like, I, I still don't know a lot Laura, about it. Laura, about to describe what weird fiction is. <laughs> Heidi, wait, what's that? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize she was about to describe it. It's Sorry. an appropriate question. I'm not the best person to define it, but based on what I read, it's, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. The plots are kind of involving different types of creatures or like can be somewhat, I don't know. Here, let me Google it. We'll get a good definition. I definitely think that this movie qualifies as weird. So, okay, according to the Wikipedia page, we are heavily relying on Wikipedia, but... You know what? Sometimes you gotta. I know. It says weird fiction is a subgenre of speculative fiction originating in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. It eschews or radically reinterprets ghosts, vampires, werewolves, and other traditional antagonists of supernatural horror fiction. Woo! That was cool. Lit. It at least makes the narrative make a bit more sense for me. Like, oh, like this is supposed to be really strange and confusing. Yeah, I so. mean, it definitely fits the bill. Yeah. That's for sure. So anyway, more summary. Before like Lena goes into the shimmer, she goes to see him and she reveals in the present that she felt like she owed it to Kane to go into the shimmer with the others. You know, Mm -hmm. just in case she could find something that would help cure him and maybe for other reasons. And Mm -hmm. then a week later, the five women embark into the shimmer. And that's pretty cool. Lena then wakes from a dream or maybe a memory. Who knows? Of sleeping with the coworker who invited her out to the barbecue. And she's confused and unsure of where she is. And when she emerges from her tent, she's in a forest. And everybody else is like in a state of confusion as well. And this is the first time we actually get to see what's inside the shimmer. And it looks like a dream. There's like rainbow light filtration everywhere coming through the trees. And nobody remembers making camp. And Anya and Cass are counting the rations. And it seems they have been in the shimmer for three days. All of their compasses start to malfunction and they can't seem to get a signal out of the shimmer to check in. Not that anybody is surprised by that. I love how Ventress is like, I mean, are you really 
Exactly. Did you really think that they were going to, why are you freaking out? Did you really think they were going to work? <laughs> what I liked about that scene was how urgent everything felt. Like it all felt very much like all of a sudden things got really weird really fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Even though things were already weird, but it was like a slow weird and then it got fast weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think part of that is just like the nature of being inside the shimmer is that everything mm-hmm. would be kind of urgent. Like if I woke up and was like, how did I get here? What am I doing here? I'm in a strange place. What's going on? I think the scene really captures that, I think, really well. Yeah, for sure. And again, in very few words, like, everybody's just kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, just very disoriented. One thing that was mentioned earlier in the film was that Lena was also in the military for, I think, six years or something. Oh, yeah. I did not mention that. Yeah, and it's a very, it's like one line where Ventress is like, oh, so you're a soldier scientist. So it's kind of like, we've been sending in people from the military and now we're sending you in who has a military background but you also have the education to be able to study and gather data on what's going on in the shimmer so that's important for the rest of the film as well Mm -hmm. that she has that background so the group heads toward the beach toward the lighthouse and the perimeter line and they come across a half submerged home in a swamp the flowers by the house are mutated and odd but to be honest when i first looked at them i didn't know they were mutated i thought they were just really pretty but apparently they're they're weird yeah because they're all growing from the same branch yeah but they're all like different colors and everything it's pretty cool so she was like they have to be the same species but they look she was like if you were looking at this and seeing this in a human it would be pathological yeah great that was a good quote (laughs) as they explore around josie tessa thompson is suddenly pulled into the house by something, and she starts screaming that something has her backpack. They manage to pull her out of the water and then out of the house, but they watch as a huge albino alligator comes out of the house and comes after them. Lena, a former soldier, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. shoots it with like expert precision until it eventually dies. And as they investigate, they discover that this alligator is also mutated and has all these weird rows of teeth like a shark and like a really weird mouth. And it's just a little spooky boy. And I kind of love it. (laughs) Our little spooky boy that we then murdered. Yeah, it's got teeth like a shark. Yeah, Yeah. but it's like throat is really weird too. Yeah, it's kind of funny when Ventress is like, do you think it's a result of crossbreeding with a shark? And then Lena's like, no, you can't crossbreed different species, Ventress. God. That actually, that was like an actual prosthetic shark that they had made when they're like touching it. Isn't that cool? You mean alligator? Alligator? Okay. (laughs) Isn't that cool? That is very cool. (laughs) I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. As they start to row down the river in some canoes that they find by the shore, Lena is bothered by a bruise on her forearm that she can't explain but tries to shrug off. And that's actually the spot where future Lena has that tattoo. She lies to Cass that her husband was killed in action. And they find this abandoned outpost, um, a former research station, and the fungal growths and mutations here seem more malignant and appear to be moving on their own accord. What do you think of the line where they're talking about how everyone kind of has their baggage or their emotional trauma? And I think Cass says, we're all damaged goods here. You know, otherwise we wouldn't volunteer to come into this dangerous environment. Did you think anything about that? They all are like self-destructing in their own ways. Like Cass mentions in that scene, which I didn't say, 
but she had a daughter die from leukemia and she also has this line where she says in a way it was really two deaths I was mourning Mm -hmm. it was the death of my daughter and then like the person that I was Mm -hmm. which I thought was so good Mm -hmm. yeah and then they do say that Josie was self-cutting at one point in her yes, life. Yes, she is doing that. Yeah. And then Anya is sober, which means that she's an addict. Yeah, recovering from addiction. And then Ventress, they don't really explain Ventress. At this point in time, we don't know she has cancer, but I think yeah. Cass says something like she has no family, no friends. She's lonely, yeah. but she doesn't really know. So Yeah, but I think that's just like um, another like facet of self-destruction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. They also have their own reasons of dealing with the trauma that they face inside of it. Like, I think it's really interesting that, I guess we'll talk about this more as we go forward, but I think it's really interesting that Shepard is the one who is the more moral center of the group and is just trying to help Mm -hmm. everyone out, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because she's like a grieving mother. So she's taking on a more motherly role. Ventress is preoccupied in her search for knowledge because it's the only thing she feels like will give her any satisfaction because she doesn't have any family. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. she's using that as an excuse to go further into this self-destructive path yeah and like Josie kind of giving up in a sense later on like we'll we'll talk about those when we get there because I think Josie and Anya and Ventress are all because they don't die first (laughs) are all a little Mm -hmm. more nuanced but I think Shepard especially the way she reacts inside the shimmer is indicative of the kind of person she was that brought her to it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's true for all of them too but yeah we'll talk about it more once people start unraveling which is really about to happen. <laughs> As they explore inside the building, they find abandoned sleeping bags and backpacks that they realize were from the last group, the one that Lena's husband, Kane, belonged to. Ventress finds a memory card or something left behind by Kane's group. This video is fucked up, y'all. It is. I will say that there are two parts of this movie that I found genuinely scary the first time I watched them. This is the first thing. It's honestly so unsettling because you don't Mm -hmm. know. Like watching it again, I was like, okay, this is gross. But like, I know it's coming. But the first time you're like, what the fuck are they doing? (laughs) Yeah. The way the music's playing and the lighting is really, is really creepy. And the handheld camera obviously gives a little bit of a Uh creep factor to it. Yeah. Yeah. The music is very unsettling. It's, oh yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the video. So The video shows the group of soldiers huddled around this blonde guy, who's also one of the soldiers. He doesn't seem to be doing very well. And that's even before Kane cuts open a chunk of his abdomen. While he is conscious. While he's conscious. And, like, they have to stop a little bit. Well, and it's, like... it's, like, too much. With his consent. Yeah. He's, like, just just keep going. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's okay. (sighs) Literally, before Kane starts, he's, like, are you ready? And he's, like, yeah. Yeah. he's like cut me dude yeah okay so it's already weird and it's about to get weirder because kane pulls back the skin flap and there's something like a skin colored giant snake or worm or something i thought it was intestines yeah i didn't think it was his intestines i I thought it was his intestines intestines moving oh well they look too big Uh, that's, that's about how big they are your intestines are pretty big. I thought it was like a, a thing. Well, I think that's about how big your intestines are. I thought that at first. I was like, why is there a worm inside of him? But your intestines, first of all, are very long and... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...take up most of your abdomen, I think. They're curled up and stuff. Like, they're squished in there, but they're, they're the large. The small intestine is 9 to 16 feet, and the large intestine is 5 feet. 
I guess it could be his just intestines are really weird. So the second or third time around, I thought they're probably part of his body because they do start talking about how, we'll talk about this later, but Anya's, she feels like her skin's moving. Yeah. Her finger or her fingerprints are like moving and you kind of yeah. see her hands doing weird things. So I think it's his actual body moving instead of a creature that has Intestines are in. also, the large intestine is three inches in diameter. Yeah, it's big. I think that's smaller than what it was. I know, but like if that's the big intestine, then there's a still the small intestine. So I think that the size makes sense for what we saw when he put his hand in there. Ugh. Yeah, the area <laughs> does too. The point is it's moving around and wriggling. And it's the point gross. is it's fucked up. It's really it's a gross. Lot. It's a and lot. Oscar Isaac looks at the camera like, you, you, you get me seeing this? <laughs> And then Gina Rodriguez loses her fucking shit. Well, yeah. she's like, she's like, it's a trick of the light. Uh-huh. It's nothing. And everybody's like, what? And yeah, I like how she look like, at it. She like closes the camera and she's like, okay, well, we know the answer. They all went crazy. Um, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then I like that Shepard's like, I think she says his intestines were moving. And she's like, nope, nope. I'm an ENT. I've seen fucked up things. That was a trick of the light. Oh my God. And they're like, watch again. And she's like, I'm not fucking watching it again. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, no fucking way am I watching that again. But they do manage to find the pool area where the video is shot. And that poor blonde guy is still there. Except now he's like mutated into like, <laughs> I don't know what to explain <laughs> it. <laughs> it looks like something burst out of him. Yeah, it looks like something I would see in The Last of Us, where there's, like, spores, and he's kind of, like, fungally, and his body has separated into, like, two halves. It's kind of, like, reminiscent of the thing, the way that the head stretches and splits. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It's also really, really cool, though. It's also, like, there are parts of him that are still kind of intact, that you can see, mm-hmm. like, his shoulder and his arm, but then other parts of him have literally been opened up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's beautiful. Yeah. I like how Lena just put in a very slides down way. there and is like, let me get a sample. Mm-hmm. Josie like picks up the knife and yeah. it's like the knife that Kane was using and she just like drops it like that's fucked up. She's mm-hmm. like, can we go? Yeah. She's <laughs> like, I don't want to stay here tonight, but where else are they going to stay? Yeah. You know? Well, that's the point. So that night they take turns keeping watch, you know, in case there's another mutated alligator or just some other random weird critter large intestine on the loose yeah and then lena has like another memory or dream i'm not ever sure what they are because she always seems to like wake up from them i think it's both it's like both but anyway she has a memory of kane shipping out for the mission and it's sad mm-hmm. because he leaves early but he like doesn't really talk to her so at that point, does he know that she's cheating on him? I have no idea. The way that I read that scene, especially based on the conversation that Natalie Portman has with Jennifer Jason Lee later or around this time, basically is that he knew that he probably wasn't going to come back. Why did my husband volunteer for a suicide mission? Yeah, like she says that to her. I think that he knew when he was leaving that he was probably not going to come back. Yeah, but like, why would he sign up for that? If not, because, I mean, that seems like a pretty dramatic response to finding out she's cheating on him, but... See, I kind of think that's why he signed up for it. I think that's why she thinks he did. I honestly fully thought that she did the cheating while he was gone. So that would defeat the purpose, because he was already gone. 
There is a scene where she's like, I don't want to talk to you about this. Like, I don't want to see you anymore. And then oh, yeah. He's and like, she's like, I think he, he knows. knows, doesn't he? And she's like, yes. So I yeah. I kind of took that it's as later. he knew he signed up for the mission. And that's why in the morning he's like, you know, I do love you. And then mm-hmm. just like leaves. I don't think it's just about the cheating either. Because I, don't I either. think that when they're having that conversation, Lena and Ventress, she says like, it's a self-destructive tendency to mm-hmm. ruin something that's good. Be it your own mm-hmm. life, your health, your marriage. Like people get bored and they make bad decisions. Oh, so, it's actually this upcoming scene that I was about to talk about. Yeah, I was okay, going to say, I, yeah. I thought she was talking about Lena when she said that. I fully thought that she was talking about both of them. Yeah, she's making a comment. Lena's version of doing this was having the affair. Kane's version of expressing his dissatisfaction is shipping out. I also did want to like mention that when I was doing a little bit of research on the book, because I was looking up themes from the movie, I stumbled on like a reader for the book, and it mentioned that in the novelization, Lena carries a lot of guilt because she's a very like introspective person. And like prides herself on like like enjoying being alone, mm-hmm. and her husband's a lot more extroverted. So like that was a rift in their relationship where like she realized later on that like there's this whole part of him that she doesn't really know because she doesn't really opened up to him fully. Mm-hmm. And I think that they hint at that kind of in the movie, and not as explicitly as they would obviously in a novel. But you can kind of tell that even though the two of them are connected and very obviously in love, not everything is a hundred percent perfect. Mm-hmm. Like they have that one scene where the two of them are on the couch reading and he's reading like a magazine and she's reading the immortal life of yeah. Henrietta Lacks because they mm-hmm. really want us to know that she's a scientist. Exactly. <laughs> she loves cells so much. <laughs> and they look at each other. It's like a moment where like they're different, but they're still connected. But like, they're also both doing things separately. Yeah. And like, they're showing that I think to emphasize that point. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Okay, so Lena, like, is studying some cells. I think it's her own blood, or maybe it's that other guy's. At that point in time, I think it's the little swab she took from the guy. And it's weird. (laughs) It's weird. So she goes to check on Ventress, who is posted up in the guard shack, and they study a map to the lighthouse trying to find the best path to take. Ventress then makes the comment that we were referencing that people like them don't commit suicide, they self-destruct, which is why all of them are perhaps here and why her husband maybe did what he did. It's a good conversation. Huge fan. It's like, here's the theme of the movie. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) Yeah. And as that poignant conversation hangs in the air, they hear something huge in the woods. And upon investigating, the women, who are all now awake because of whatever is making sounds, realize something has ripped clean through the fence. And then suddenly, a huge bear-like thing attacks Cass and drags her into the woods. And her screams just, like, suddenly stop. But you, like, barely see it, too. (laughs) Barely. Because of the sounds it makes, you're like, that's a bear. And, like, it kind of looks like a bear. Spoiler alert, it's not just a bear. (laughs) It's mostly a bear. Is it? Yeah. No, it is, though. In the same way, at this point, they are mostly human. Yeah. In the morning, the women debate about turning back to go to the outpost that they're from. Anya and Josie want to go back the way that they came since things only seem to be getting worse the further into the shimmer they go, but Lena convinces them they should proceed to the lighthouse since it would take less time and they'd be closer to the perimeter and at least they'd all be together because Ventress, of course, decides (laughs) she's gonna go whether they want to or not. Fuck off, y'all. I really do like that they take that moment to take us out of the scene and have her talking to Benedict Wong back at the facility. 
Yeah. And he's just kind of like, so you lied to them. Mm-hmm. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, I didn't lie. And he was like, well, you made it seem like you knew what you were talking about when you didn't. And you mm-hmm. forced them further into the forest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't know what would have happened if they went back the other way. No. But I think that the way that the movie is structured, the closer you get to the lighthouse, the more yes. intense the Shimmer's effects are. Which is actually something that she says is like, the yeah. mutations get more and more intense the closer you get to the lighthouse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They become more extreme. Yeah. So, yeah. In the present, Lena's question about her decision, and we learn that Ventress has terminal cancer, so she is going to go to Lighthouse no matter what, and she was never going to make it out alive, because, you know, self-destruction. And while the women trek through the forest, they find Shepard's boots without her body. Lena runs off, hoping that she may find Cass alive, but unfortunately discovers her dead body amongst the roots of a tree. She does, though, see two pretty cool-looking deer. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's a good scene. Yeah. I like that scene because it does show that the mutations can be beautiful. And can that, be, yeah. Right, and she even says, I think toward the beginning, they say something like, I'm sure it was very nightmarish for you, and she says, sometimes it was beautiful. So yeah. that's definitely a scene of, and I think it actually cuts to some fish swimming around a little pond, and the fish yeah. are like multicolored. But at this point, the deer have these flowers growing out of them. <laughs> I really don't know how to describe it. Uh, yeah, like I said, like there there are no words that will accurately describe mm-hmm. the things that you see. So it's definitely a moment of her pausing to, you know, she initially wants to yeah. treat everything as though it's a threat and very aggressively by reacting mm-hmm. with violence because, you know, they just yeah. fucking killed an alligator and things things are not going well. Yeah. But it's this moment of like, oh, here's some strange serenity mm-hmm. in this really strange environment. Yeah. I thought that was a nice touch. Like, not all mutations in this forest are going to kill you. Some of them are just beautiful. Yeah, not all change is bad. Yeah. So after discovering Cass's body, the tension continues to rise as the remaining women find a small town that was evacuated. Here they find a different, way more interesting mutation of plants that have grown to look like people. So It's beautiful. I love that. Oh my god, it's like one of my favorite, like, visual moments of the film. It's really Mm -hmm. cool. And the first time I saw it, I didn't understand their explanation. It just kind of went over my head. I didn't either. But this time I caught it. And so they were saying something like, well, why don't you explain it first? And then we can, yeah. So Josie then gives an incredible explanation of what is happening in the shimmer. This place acts like a prism and it refracts everything around it, including DNA and sound waves. And Josie says the reason that our radio is not getting out is not because the signal is being stopped. It's being refracted into something else. And so like the alligator is also being refracted into something else. Like the DNA is becoming something different. Yeah. Kind of like the DNA is scrambling. So mm -hmm, I like the explanation that the flowers are growing in that way to look like a human structure because they have human DNA in them. That it's codes, making them grow that way. Right. That yeah. codes for the human structure of the skeleton. So that was really cool. I was like, oh, you know, the first time yeah. I did not get it at all, but this made a lot more sense. Yeah. That's also going to become like another great example of that is coming up mm-hmm. with the bear. We'll get to the bear. We'll get to the bear. It's like one of my favorite moments. Anya is fucking losing it. Yeah. She. Yeah. Anya is hashtag not good. <laughs> yeah. She's losing it. Yeah, and she is paranoid, and she swears that her fingerprints are moving and mutating. Lena now analyzes some of her own blood, and she watches as the cell separates, 
and one of them glows with the same prismatic coloration of the shimmer. It refracts and duplicates. It's pretty cool. For whatever reason, this triggers another memory for Lena of her banging her co-worker. <laughs> Again. And she tells him this time, though, that this is a mistake and tries to end it, but he encourages her that this is something real, even though both of them are married. And Lena strongly believes that Kane somehow knows about this and tries to kick him out, insisting that she hates him and herself. <laughs> I like the part where he's like, you know, you're just doing this because you were mad at yourself or you hate yourself. And she's like, no, I hate you too. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. When she wakes back up, Anya is holding a gun to her face, which ugh, spooky. And then Anya knocks her out. Lena is then tied up to a chair along with the other women. And Anya tears off this locket that Lena wears and riddles out that Kane is actually Lena's husband and she's been lying to them. And Ventress also has been keeping this from her. Anya then says that she's not even sure that the bear exists and even goes so far as to accuse Lena of killing Cass. But just as she's about to stab her, there is a voice outside that sounds like Cass screaming for help. She runs out there and a moment later we hear this alarming bear sound. And then a moment later, the bear walks right into the place that they're tied up. And if you thought the gator was upsetting, wait to hear about this bear. <laughs> I will say that this bear scene is the other genuinely horrifying scene. Oh my god. Yes. yes. This was genuinely so uncomfortable to watch. Yes. Mm -hmm. For like a couple of reasons. <laughs> it's the noises. It's the it's noises. The noise. Yeah. It's the noises and the tension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So its face is like weird, but it's like partially a skull. But like Natalie's saying, the worst thing about it is that the sounds it makes perfectly mimics Cass crying for help. It's like Cass's screams coming yeah. out of the bear. It's of the so bear. Fucked. Yeah. It's like the Mocking Jays in the Hunger Games, but worse. <laughs> it's exactly, which again is like just a, a very clear example of what Josie was saying that like. And Cass's last moments, she became part of the bear. She said something like part of her mind latched on or became yeah. part of the bear. Mm -hmm. Which I was like, okay, well, all right. Yeah. But essentially it took her voice as part of her. Yeah, it's horrifying. And so like the bear is like sniffing around, but instead of making more bear sounds, every time it opens its mouth, it sounds like Cass. It's, yeah, it's so horrible. Mm -hmm. And the design of this creature, it kind of reminds me of the Wendigo and antlers, like the yeah, the right structure of the face. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's cool. Which is cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As the bear is sniffing around the tied up ladies, a wounded Anya stumbles into the room and shoots the bear, but she unfortunately does not kill it. It charges at her and rips her entire jaw off. Mm -hmm. And then it turns on Lena, who is desperately trying to free herself from the chair. Josie, though, thank God for Josie, she comes to the rescue and shoots it the way Lena shot the gator and it falls over dead. Mm -hmm. Spooky. Yeah, uh, how did she get untied? Who? Josie. I don't know. Oh, we didn't see it. Okay, well, somehow she unties herself. Yeah, we don't really see any of them. She gets knocked over by the bear, yeah. I think. Like, her chair gets knocked over. So, so it probably breaks, yeah. Wiggle herself out. Because yeah. Lena's trying to break the chair to get yeah. free. But... Ventress is still, I think, sitting up just like, what the fuck? 
Fentra, speaking of her, has had enough and is afraid that they're just going to lose their minds like everyone else who comes into the Shimmer and decides to leave before her mind and the rest of her body fail her completely. In the morning, Lena finds Josie out in the garden. She tries to convince her they should leave and shares that their bodies are mutating and refracting into everything around them. When she glances at Josie's arm, she sees that there is plant matter growing into the scars on her forearm. And Josie walks off, but with every step, she seems to become more and more plant-like. Lena tries to pursue her, but loses sight of her and eventually comes to a field where there is nothing but humanoid plants and there is no Josie to be seen. I like this scene as well, because I think it's another somewhat positive scene, even though the implication is that she's dying or becoming one of these. She's transforming in that sense. I think she's Mm -hmm. choosing. Yeah, she does. She is choosing because, well, first of all, they say earlier in the film that she wears long sleeves because she doesn't want people to see the cuts on her arms or the scars. Yes, absolutely. So in this scene, she's wearing a sleeveless shirt and you can really see the scars. And then I think at one point she turns to Lena and she says, Ventress wants to face it. You want to fight it. I don't think I want to do either one of those things. Mm -hmm. And then she walks off and becomes, I assume, one of the flower people. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that that scene is a really, I think it's like a very beautiful death. Yeah. I also think that it's interesting that we're once again showing a lot of different ways to kind of exist in the shimmer. Like Mm -hmm. Cass is just kind of killed early on Mm -hmm. because she, you know, is the easiest one to to get. (laughs) Anya gets super, super paranoid and starts lashing out at the people around her instead of powering through Ventress is just wanting to get through to understand it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like she wants to just see the knowledge but to Josie the only thing that really matters is just feeling at peace because that's what she's wanted this whole time that's what I was gonna say it's definitely like an acceptance a moment of acceptance and rest kind of being Mm -hmm. at peace with who you are and what's happened to you I think it is indicative of like different ways that you can face trauma And I think Mm -hmm. that I don't know whether to paint Josie's acceptance here as like a positive thing or a negative thing, because it definitely has some suicidal parallels, especially considering she did used to self-harm. But I do think that there is something you said about just kind of like giving up and that being an option. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think on one hand, there is something about it. Like nobody comes back from the shimmer, right? Yeah. And instead of letting her mind or body just become something else or become something monstrous, she's like, I'm going to be this. And this is how I'm going to be. And it's not going to be painful. And it's going to be, it's going to be my choice, which I think there's something interesting about that. But it does also have that suicidal tint to it, which makes it difficult to say if it's good. Yeah, Mm. that's a good point. That's a good point. It feels like a positive note because everything else is so tragic Mm -hmm. but yeah there is still that taste in your mouth that's like this still isn't good well yeah because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day she's still giving into that self-destructive impulse yes but it's Mm in it's yeah yeah it's in her own time in her own way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's relatable but it's also still sad and there's something there's definitely something to be said about natalie portman being the only one who actually makes it through because she has the strength to overcome the trauma that she's experiencing in the shimmer because she yeah. doesn't want to self-destruct because as she says, like she has a reason to come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think the film keeps touching base with 
Lena and Kane's relationship because that's the emotional core mm -hmm. that is pushing the two yeah. of them forward because mm -hmm. that's also the reason he gets out because well we'll talk about that a little more later but yeah and that's why I think the relationship and stuff is so interesting but I also mm -hmm. don't 100% know what to make of it so mm -hmm. we'll get there later <laughs> yeah so by maybe sheer willpower Lena finally arrives at the lighthouse the mutations here on the beach are incredibly intense. The trees and parts of the sand look like ice or glass sculptures, and there's even a bunch of skeletons just, like, buried in the sand on the beach. Don't know what that's about. I was gonna say, did you make anything of that? Because I was like, is this just to be like, oh, skeletons, I mean, we know, that, we know that there's been, like, a lot of groups that have come through here, but I couldn't yeah. tell you why they're lined up there. Yeah. I just assumed it was people left the bodies there. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. But it's pretty. Is it? Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> it's that, like, grotesque beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like, I thought the trees were, very like, true so cool. Oh, yeah, no, the trees looked like the trees yeah. from Frozen. <laughs> the That's trees probably why cool. I liked it. Spoiler alert, everybody. I love Frozen. Come <laughs> at me. Is that a spoiler alert? A spoiler alert. I love Frozen. Maybe it wasn't. It's a spoiler about me. We're not that far along in our journey of getting to know each other yet, listeners, but that's a spoiler. I love Frozen. Okay. Anyway, the lighthouse itself has, like, an incredible amount of fungal growth on it that emerges from, like, this spooky hole in the floor. It's a vagina. You yeah. were. You know, like, that's not entirely false, though. I want to fully just state for the record that I would 100% not go in this hole. <laughs> even if I made it all the way this far, I'd be like, ew, I don't want to touch it. I'm not going in there. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> Natalie texted me. She was like, would you go in the hole? And I was like, honestly, I think I might. Because well, like, what do I have to lose at this point? What else are you supposed to do? Maybe like take a skeleton bone and like throw it down touch there. It, see first it to see how yeah. deep it is. And then like, if you hear the rattling, maybe something's yeah. grabbing the bone. I don't know. To be fair though, like what prompts her to go into the hole is not just curiosity. Right, you're we'll right. We'll talk about it, but, like, she has, yes. like, a legitimate reason. I think I would go down there. It's a birthing canal. I just want to yeah. point that out. I would 100% never be in this situation. I am not going <laughs> to that they would send into the shimmer. I would be yeah. I would be at the outpost, and they'd be like, are you sure you're supposed to be assigned here? <laughs> I'll be like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Near the hole in the floor, there's a skeleton sitting in front of a wall. And there are scorch marks behind it on the wall... That seemed like it exploded in flames or something. The imagery. The yeah. imagery in this movie is so striking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything feels like it's like an art installation. Also, the lighthouse. I'm just going to put this out here because I already said vagina. The lighthouse. You're killing me. I'm The lighthouse, you deceased. know, the phallic, <laughs> the phallic lighthouse looks I'm... like it's all veiny. I'm just saying. That's phallic. She's not <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're not. It's just it's just so funny. Yeah. I don't make these things up. They're there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the whole thing's really weird. And of course, there's another video camera nearby. How convenient. Yeah. But, okay. We're getting to the end, everybody. But it's about to get really fucking buck wild. So hang in there. On the video, we see Kane in all his handsome glory. And then this quick shot of this weird other being before we get back to Kane who grabs a phosphorus grenade from his bag 
and sits down in the exact spot where the skeleton is now. He says to the camera he thought he was a man, he thought he was Cain, but isn't sure at all who he is now. He's losing all his sense of self and his humanity, and then he pulls the pin on the grenade. And as he counts down, he asks whoever is filming to find his wife, Lena, and the voice, which also sounds like Cain, replies that he will. The grenade goes off and Cain catches fire. And as he burns up, another Cain steps forward and watches. This other Cain is the one who made it home. Spooky. Okay. Which makes sense because if we recall back when she's talking to Cain mm-hmm. earlier, she was like, how did you, how did you yeah. get back home? And he's like, I was outside the room and I saw you and I recognized you. Exactly. How would he recognize her, though? How would he know what she looks like? Who knows? He has some impression of Kane's memories. He has to, right? Yeah. Because it's like it's the refraction. He has to have something. Okay. And I yeah. think that I don't know where I read this. I might have just been on Reddit. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's, I fair. That, that's fair. That's fair. I think yeah. that like people have said that somebody talking about the movie has mentioned that memories are also refracted in the Shimmer. Which yeah. is why you see like houses mm. in there, and like the house looks like the other house. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like everything oh, yeah. looks similar. Yeah, that's what I thought. It looked like Lena's house when it they did. were in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I forget it does. which. Was that the house where they stayed the night and then the bear attacked? I think it was that. House. I don't remember which one. It I was. think I was it's like, that, that one. Looks yeah. strangely yeah. like Lena's house at the beginning. That it's makes because sense. it does. Yeah. Thanks for that little tidbit. Yeah. As that eerie video finishes, Lena hears Ventress screaming from down inside the hole and hurries in there to investigate. Super chill, super chill. This Mm -hmm. area is the most alien of all of the places in the film. And it looks like something you might see out of the first alien film as they're exploring the area before they find the facehuggers. That's what I thought. I thought that was pretty cool. Ventress says that something is inside of her now and it's going to keep growing. The shimmer itself is going to keep growing until it is part of everything and everything is the shimmer. Which sounds a little bit like Slither, doesn't it? Oh, Mm. shit. Did Grant just make his way into the shimmer? Grant just like slithered into the shimmer. Is that (laughs) Grant's here? Yeah. Suddenly something erupts out of Ventress. It's lights or something shining and brilliant that utterly breaks her down and consumes her body and then becomes something else. She bursts into particles. Yeah. This fungal light creature is both mesmerized with Lena and also mesmerizes her. And watching the special features, I learned that this shape is called a mandible. Oh. You mean that little cloud thing? Yes. And actually, the room itself is also a mandelbulb, and it's a mathematical structure, and it's a shape that, like, repeats itself over and over and over again. And mm. there's, like, no way to predict exactly how this thing is going to move. So it's, like, duplicating and refracting itself as a form, and then also within the room. It's really cool. I highly recommend watching that one thing, because that was wild to learn about. So... Inexplicably, a drop of blood comes out of the bridge of Lena's nose and flies directly into this thing, where the blood replicates and forms this shimmery, metallic being. The Lena double. A really fun fact about this being, the gal that plays her is a professional ballet dancer. Oh. Hmm. Which, like, 
I thought was really cool. So, freaked out, <laughs> Lena tries to run away, but when she gets out of the hole, the thing is already there waiting for her. And it knows somehow every move that Lena's about to make and perfectly mirrors her. And it's like they're doing a dance. Yeah. Because she's a dancer. You get it? It's pretty cool. Uh, Lena tries to... <laughs> it's cool. It's beautiful. One of my favorite things about horror films is when they do stuff like this. When they like use art to make something like horrifying but beautiful. So Lena tries to escape, but is thwarted at every turn, and eventually she manages to grab another of those phosphorus grenades. And as she touches this metallic being, it clarifies into a perfect copy of her. The grenade goes off in the duplicate's hands, but it seems to absorb and mutate the blast so as not to die. Instead, its arms are enveloped in fire, and though the being isn't hurt at all, the fungal growth in the lighthouse catches fire. The duplicate dives into the hole, which only helps the fire spread. And as Lena leaves the lighthouse, every mutation in sight seems to have caught fire. The one thing, the one thing I like about this scene, no, um, what I did like is that you can't really tell if it's an antagonistic entity. You yeah. don't really know if it's trying to harm her or if it's simply just mirroring her actions. I mean, mm-hmm. it is mirroring her. But we don't know what its intentions yeah. are, so it seems... There is a whole moment where she's, like, pressed up against the wall. Yeah. Where it seems right. like it's trying to, like, absorb her or suffocate yeah. her. But I can't tell if that's just part of, like, oh, she's up against the wall, so now I'm right. going to be up against, up against the, wall. the wall. Yeah. Yeah. They even mention this in the movie, because the other scientist guy she's talking to, Benedict Wong, is, like... You attacked it in self-defense. And she was like, well, I hit it first. It was just me or just mimicking me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but like that was later. So like in the moment, Mm -hmm. you don't know what's really, what its intentions are. It's so hard to like pick apart what its motivations are. And that's actually something that the director says is like, one of the hardest things about adapting this was that there's genuinely no explanation for why it's here. It just Mm -hmm. wants to survive. It just wants to survive. And like Lena Mm -hmm. has a line later and I, don't think that Just I wrote like it down, thriller. but it's, yeah, but it's, like, beautiful, and she's, like, you know, it wasn't trying to destroy everything, it was creating something, it was making something new. It was just changing everything. I think that that mm-hmm. is an incredibly important thematic line. Yeah, and, yeah, it uh, is. we will talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With that, uh, with all the fire and all the stuff burning down, the shimmer seems to dissipate entirely. Present-day Lena confirms that whatever she was dealing with was certainly from another world. And it's really cute because Benedict Wong is like, so it was an alien. And like, mood. (laughs) (laughs) But she is unable to find the right words to describe what exactly it was that she encountered. And boy, do I know the feeling. All she knows (laughs) is that it wanted to mirror her and that it was here to create and make something new. The scientist confirms to Lena that the lighthouse had been reduced to ash, so whatever was there is now gone. Lena takes a drink of water from a glass, but something weird happens with it. I couldn't tell you what exactly it is, but something weird happens. So something's not right with Lena. We (laughs) learn that Kane has since recovered, and it was like a switch was flipped, and now he's miraculously better. Yay. Lena goes to visit him, and sure enough, He looks like nothing ever happened, although his memory doesn't seem to be fully with him still. She confirms that the cane standing before her is not her husband, as she knew him, but the replication. 
And when the other Kane asks if she is Lena, she just doesn't answer, of course. Instead, she embraces him, and as they hold each other, their irises do this weird shimmer thing. Is Lena a replication, or is no. she not? Who knows? <laughs> Laura, no. No, she's not. <laughs> Who knows? I, I don't think so. <laughs> but that's the know. end of the movie. I don't know, but I don't think so. The thing about it is that I can't tell if it's happy or not. Because part of me is like, okay, so are they going to just pass the shimmer on now? Like, to other things shop in of the horrors. world. Yeah, yeah a little shop yeah. of horror style. Or, or invasion of body snatchers or something. Or is this like a good thing because like they have each other and they're both changed from this experience? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like if you view entering the shimmer as mm-hmm. carrying a trauma, it's like a form of self-destruction. But the shimmer itself doesn't destroy, it just changes or like yeah. alters you. So mm-hmm. like you exit this trauma, a changed person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I that change fair. is what is enabling them to actually rekindle their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could read it that way. Like, you fully mm-hmm. could. I think yeah. that's fair. And the reason I don't want it to be the replication of hers, one, because I think we pretty much, I mean, we don't see it die, but it goes up in yeah. flames with everything else. And yeah. we clearly see her give it the grenade and then leave. So, at first, I remember thinking, they're not going to do that bullshit where it's yeah. like, she's the, she's the alien now. Because I thought about it and I was like, oh, well, we know her DNA has mutated Mm -hmm. and like she's genetically different because she's been in the shimmer. So it's probably just like her iris is changing color. That's just probably a result of her being a little different now. But she's still the original Lena in a sense, but she's just a different version of that Lena. But why couldn't she be both? Like how much of her is still the original Lena, even if she's still the one who made it out? We don't know. You know know what I mean? Yeah, but she's not like... What's to say, like, how different are they from their duplicates when they get out of the shimmer? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We don't know, but I would say it's not the entity that was created. But she is a different entity now. Yeah, I mean, who's to say that she doesn't just, as she's trying to get out of there, that the entity as it dies doesn't just refract into her? So now she is both the being and herself. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe the way to put it is she's it's the same body, but yeah. probably different genetic material. I mean, to your point, though, she does seem to have a very clear recollection of what happens, which is distinctly yeah. different from Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But her, like, understanding of the Shimmer and, like, that being, I would think maybe is because she's got part of it. I agree with Laura that I do think what was the original Lena when we started the movie mm-hmm. is the thing that leaves, but it's not yeah. Lena anymore. And yeah. it not being Lena anymore is, I think, the mm-hmm. important thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do you go through that, though, and not walk out a changed person? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is, like, what I think the point is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that it kind of speaks to, like, Natalie Portman got out of the Shimmer because she was the one willing to fight the Shimmer and conquer mm-hmm. it. So she comes up against her self-destructive tendencies and actively conquers them and makes it out of the shimmer. Granted, doing that was traumatic. And because it was traumatic, Mm -hmm. she is like changed. Mm -hmm. And now like the person who exits the shimmer is in no way the same person who entered it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, so two things. One, that's why I think at the end, he's when he says, are you Lena? She's just kind of like, like she kind of gasps because she realizes, no, I'm not the same person I was when I went into Mm -hmm. the shimmer. Yeah. Two, there's kind of 
there's a parallel to that when Ventress says something like, it was when she leaves, I think after the bear attack to go ahead and go to the lighthouse. And she's like, I want to make sure that the person who started this journey is the person who ends it mm-hmm. kind of implicate or implying that what is more likely to happen is that her body and mind is going to disintegrate so much that she will be a completely different person by the mm-hmm. time she finishes uh-huh. the journey. So yeah. It's like, she knows that's the end yeah. result. Mm-hmm. I do think it, it's important to like, as to what Natalie is saying about like conquering her self-destructive tendencies is that Kane didn't do that. No, he didn't. But like, honestly, he was in there even longer than she was. So like, I can't blame him. You know what I mean? He was gone yeah. for a yeah, year. And I do like that part where he was like, I used to think I was a man. My name mm-hmm. was Kane, blah, blah, blah. And then he says something like, am I you? Are you yeah. me? So that kind of speaks to what you were both saying about how parts of the duplicate Lena might be mm-hmm. in her now. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to know. It's hard to know. Yeah. What I just said is my read of the film, but I don't even know if that's like what the intention is at all. Mm-hmm. I know that mm-hmm. there's self-destruction as a theme of it. Mm-hmm. I think that like the other is a theme. Nature, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I read one thing online that said that the soldier returning home from war PTSD thing could be read into the film because mm-hmm. Kane is different when he comes back and Lena's different when she comes back. And I'm like, yeah, I totally... Mm-hmm. How do you not have PTSD yeah. from this? And like, but because yeah. they're soldiers, it's like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I get that too. I don't 100% know what the ending specifically the concept of her coming face to face with her double and then killing it like I don't know what that says I feel like that says something Mm -hmm. and like Kane not hurting his double like they both had very I'm assuming they both have very different interactions with their doubles I'm sure I just don't I don't know what that means Maybe Mm -hmm. it's because they were in a different headspace maybe he felt like because he hadn't come to terms with his trauma Maybe he felt like, well, I have no reason to go back to my life outside of the shimmer. So this is Mm -hmm. it. This is the end. And Lena was more like, even though she now suspects that the cane she knows is not the cane she knew. Well, suspect she, she knows. Well, that's true. (laughs) She has confirmed. Yeah. Maybe she's like, well, I still have something to go back to. Like, it's still not, it's not Mm -hmm. over yet. This is not the end for me. But it's also like interesting to note, I think that like Kane might not have like a reason to go back. Like you're saying. But he still is mm-hmm. giving other Kane a reason to go back. And is yeah, being like, that's a hey, good point. I'm not going to go back, but you, who is a part of me somehow, you're going to go back and you're going to find Lena. Yeah. I do think that that's interesting, though. Like, why would he choose not to go back and to send the double? Does he think that maybe the double will make Lena happier? I don't know. Or... Is he, like, unable to face her knowing that she's been cheating on him? Or he wants to be with her again, but knows that he, in in the state that he's currently in, can't go back. That's a Mm -hmm. good point, too. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe he doesn't know if there's a way back. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's just like, where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a little bit of what we were talking about with Josie. Like, if I'm going to die here, this is going to be on my terms, kind of. I I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Does he say if you get out of here to him or when? No, he says, find my wife, Lena. Okay. I don't remember what he said. That's why I'm making it. It's like, a, it's like a clear, like, you need to find yeah. her. This is your directive. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I also think it's interesting that he isn't sick anymore after the shimmer goes away. Mm-hmm. 
I also mm-hmm. was wondering. That why. is interesting. Like, I don't know what that means. I couldn't explain it. <laughs> I have a fun little read of it, like a fun little metaphorical read, if you'd be interested yeah. in hearing I mean, that. Yeah, sure. Because I was thinking about all the different body elements of it. And I was talking about it with my boyfriend. So he kind of helped me with this because he has some medical knowledge. I had this idea because they talk a lot about mutation and cancer. And I was like, well, this seems to play really into the film. So like, how can I read this from that kind of perspective? Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought of the lighthouse as a tumor. Yeah. And the asteroid or the meteor, whatever we call it, the comet that hits it as this change that causes a cancerous mutation and Mm -hmm. creates the tumor. The other thing that I can say is tumors are usually really well vascularized, have like a lot of vessels going to them. So like the little fungus thingies, the little fungus Mm -hmm. vines that were growing on it make it look vascularized Mm -hmm. like little veins. I can confirm that's true. I had a cyst removed and it had little veins and I called it my alien. I hate it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Fun fact. Not fun. (laughs) Continue. So the lighthouse, lighthouse is a tumor. The shimmer and like the area that it encompasses is like metastasis. So it's like the cancerous cells working Mm -hmm. their way outwards from the source. So I thought of that because it has the expanding boundaries and it changes the environment of everything it engulfs. And then again, Lena calls it pathological in the sense that there's this continuous Mm -hmm. genetic mutation. And the mutations, as we said, get more extreme as they get closer to the lighthouse, which is the point of origin. Mm -hmm. So that's like the first part, this little metaphor. The second part is I thought the women were like, immune cells sent to fight the cancer so there's a little fun fact about immune cells this is where my boyfriend came in the military kind of represents the first line of defense against the cancerous cells because when cancer is detected the body's initial frontline response is to blow it up or try to destroy Mm -hmm. it with force they call that the innate response But then the women slash scientists are what they call the adaptive immune response. And it's more specific and nuanced. So like they go in to gather information and data to learn about the threat and then coordinate and like tailor a response to it to figure out how to attack it. And that's kind of what the immune system does, like that type of immune cell to like really effectively combat it. Because I was thinking about, like, why did they send in the military first and then go to scientists? And it's like, oh, it's kind of like two different types of ways to fight mm-hmm. something foreign. But then the characters are also mutating and, like, immune cells sometimes get killed off when they try to fight cancer. And then, like, when she says it wasn't really destroying everything, it was just changing mm-hmm. everything. It's like, you know, cancer is a fucking terrible disease, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily malicious. It's not like it has a mind of its yeah, own it's and just it wants to try to survive the body. Exactly. It's just like mm-hmm. growing. And Ventress even says she doesn't know what it wants or if it wants, but it's just going to grow until it encompasses everything. So that was also another parallel for me. And then the very last thing was like her encounter with this duplicate entity Maybe it could be like she's encountering this cancerous cell. Like if she's immune cell, this is the cancer cell. And like they're duplicates because all cells come from existing cells. So they're kind of the same thing, but it's alien in the sense that it's genetically different from her. But now that she's also genetically different, it's kind of like we come back to that idea of how different is she really from this thing that she considers alien. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was my little cell read of it. I thought that was kind of cool and maybe worth yeah, sharing. Yeah. 
definitely because I really like body related things. I was like, since cells and cellular division are such big themes in the movie, mm-hmm. like maybe this could be read in a fun little way. Yeah, I think like using the language of the film that feels like a really valid representation of what the story could be. For sure. Yeah. I think that's cool. And that's obviously removing the emotional character driven elements Mm -hmm. of it and just purely Mm -hmm. reading it from like a symbolic sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, I think it makes complete sense, dude. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I like had a couple of things that were more like about like a broad read of the film and like questions that came out Mm -hmm. of it. Cause I started out saying like, I don't feel like this film necessarily offers a lot of answers. And instead mm-hmm. invites you to ask big questions about yourself or like the world and meaning. And, you know, in one of the featurettes that I was watching, they were talking about like what this film meant. And Natalie Portman asked a question that she thinks the film is asking, which is why do we do things to hurt ourselves when we should be surviving? And I thought that was like really cool. And I guess when Lena goes into the shimmer, she has those repeated dreams about sleeping with that mm-hmm. guy Do you think that is just her self-destructive tendencies continuing to manifest? Or is that a side effect of being in the shimmer where she's like trying to focus on surviving, but she's like getting caught up in like the guilt? Or is that just like her being human? I think it's a little bit of all of it. Maybe, you know, was that too easy of an answer? (laughs) So you mean like, what's the meaning of her having the dreams slash memories? Yeah. I personally think the way that I was reading it when I was watching the movie is that she feels guilty. Because. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say it's her her conscience. Her man is back and he's not doing too hot. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I, I read it as just a way for the narrative to let us know why she's in the shimmer, kind of. Mm -hmm. And like it ties into what Ventress was saying that self-destruction is more of an impulse than a deliberate decision. And she said something like, you of all people should know this. You study, isn't self-destruction programmed into the life of every cell? Mm -hmm. So to me, I think those memories were just ways to reinforce the fact that she is dealing with something she did in her past. Mm -hmm. And maybe that there are different types of self-destruction. Like that was kind of a relationship, a way to self-destruct in a relationship versus, Mm -hmm. I don't know, the more literal impulse i guess to put yourself in a dangerous situation physically i don't know Mm -hmm. i really don't know i guess i just mostly viewed it as a narrative device to be like here is her past here is where she's coming from yeah i definitely i definitely feel like that's part of it you know they like have to connect you to the character but like i definitely think it's also like breaking her down i think it's a weapon of the shimmer yeah itself it does show her at one point break down crying after having yeah. those I mean, those memories that's valid yeah that's an appropriate response mm-hmm. yeah yeah when again it goes along with what natalie was saying it shows how guilty she mm-hmm. feels yeah okay and then i guess like the last thing that i wanted to talk about what would you classify other kane as would you call mm. him, is he an alien? Is he a human? Like, what is he? Both? I, I, <laughs> I was mean, gonna say, I mean, the diplomatic quite both. literally both. He will have human and alien mm-hmm. DNA. And also yeah. probably a lot of other DNA in there too. 
plant. Yeah. Bug. Because I yeah. feel like I felt like this film was also like asking like what does it mean to be human? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he's kind of like an evolved yeah. yeah, in a technical way, like an evolved form of humanity. Yeah. Simply because of his genetic makeup now. Because like he starts out very much not being human. So like at what point does he become human and like why would you say that he is? That's why I think that one of the themes of this film is kind of like otherness, you know, like mm-hmm. the fear of things we don't understand, but also like that really visceral feel of our body changing and us not having any control over it. Mm-hmm. It's like a really scary thing in general. Yeah. It's common in body horror, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that idea that we are all in some ways connected and the shimmer is just playing upon that connectedness because we're all yeah. like part of the same environment or ecosystem. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't feel super confident about this, but this is something I thought about while I was watching the movie. I was like, ah, oh, yes, mm-hmm. we are all one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I, I thought about that too. Like the genetic makeup being scrambled, as Josie would say. Uh, I thought about that too, like the interconnectivity of all life or something. And I was like, yeah, is that too, is that too optimistic? I don't know. <laughs> but, or idealistic. But I mean, there's, there's something there, I would say. But I don't know. I guess I would say that Kane is... He's just a different version of himself. I don't know. I, I, maybe that's, like you said, the question. Mm-hmm. What defines humanity? What yeah. makes a person human? Is it how they look? Is it what their genetic makeup is? Is it, I don't know, their memories? I don't either. I just thought it was an interesting mm-hmm. question. Are we human or are we dancer? Oh my god. Tell us, Brandon Flatters. <laughs> anyway, I feel slightly more positive about the film after discussing it Mm -hmm. i still don't particularly like the ending but you know i see all Mm -hmm. of the points that you've made both of you have made and it doesn't ruin the movie for me but i do think that if maybe there are two more movies based off of the other books it might feel a bit more coherent but i mean it was it was an enjoyable movie to watch if Mm -hmm. a little frustrating at the end I understand, like, where you would be frustrated with the ending. Mm-hmm. I just I just get so caught up in how pretty it is. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. art. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I think, like, especially, like, this kind of sci-fi, it just will never have, like, that kind of satisfying ending. I don't even What are movies like this? I mean, I would say, like, Evasion of the Body Snatchers, maybe, or... I think Evasion of the... Arrival. I guess Evasion of the Body Snatchers has a sad ending. (laughs) I guess that's true. This is not a horror film, but there's a movie very similar to it called Stalker by Andrei Tarkovsky, who is a Russian filmmaker. Mm -hmm. That movie was made in 1979, it looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially, from what I remember, and my brother really likes the movie, so I kind of got a recap from him. It's a very similar basis in that there's this area that's supposed to have a room with mystical powers in it. So if you go to this room and you ask it to grant you a wish, it will. So it's like three guys go in and one of them is called the stalker and he knows how to get around the dangerous zone and how to get to the room. But it's more of a reflection on faith and like Mm -hmm. faith versus reason and logic. It's a very similar setup, which is what I immediately thought of when I watched mm-hmm. this movie. But just, yeah, took it in a way different direction. Yeah. Yeah. So just worth noting. 
I really like this movie. That's all. I enjoy the aesthetic of this movie a lot. And I do think that it's really well made. I think the visuals are absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. And on a first watch especially, I feel like the story is really engaging. But it's just kind of a downer. And <laughs> I would prefer to watch something else. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't yeah. something I will reach for to just watch. To just oh, on. yeah. <laughs> I have never thought to myself, I'm just going to watch Annihilation for fun. No. That makes sense. <laughs> this is no alien. I mean... I watch that scene with the bear every day. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, that's a cool scene, though. <laughs> As we move forward, like, I'm going to get back into picking, like, my fun comfort films because we've done so much petty, like, intellectual stuff lately mm-hmm. that I feel like it'll be mm-hmm. fun to have a break. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you are enjoying your time with us as much as we are enjoying our time with you, Please feel free to rate us on the podcatcher of your choice. Subscribe to our podcast. Leave a review. We would love to know how you guys are feeling about our episodes or like things you would like to see us do more of or less of or whatever. Have you been enjoying these more intellectually heavy movie choices or do you like it more when we do something a little more upbeat or what's your what's your vibe? What do you guys want to see us do? We also do have an Instagram at Slashers Prefer Blondes podcast where you can learn about new episodes, get links to other episodes or ways to contact us, and also just like, you know, interact with us. Sometimes we post things on our story, get to know you guys a little bit better, and we just are always looking for like feedback or ways to interact. Uh, It's been kind of hard to get into an easy groove when it comes to like editing these episodes and like making sure our social media is on track because we're all we're all brand new with this. We just started doing this like a few Mm -hmm. months ago. And as yeah. fun, we all got full time jobs. This one has been, it's also True. been a little difficult. So, like, we would appreciate any notes that you have. But we also very, very much so would love it if you could share this podcast with your friends. Just like let people that you think who would be interested in listening to it know about it. And, you know, just keep vibing. We're having a great time. And we are yeah. so grateful that you guys yeah. are sticking around to listen with us. So, yeah, thank you so much. So, everybody out there, please stay spooky. And that is the end of our episode. Thank you.